Okay, so I'm continuing with our prayer series, and I'm quite excited to get to the end of this. I feel like we've been going on for quite a long time. Um, bits here, bits there, but I've got two Sundays, and by next week, I'm going to finish this prayer series. We've been looking at praying into the different domains, and I think that it's really important, especially as charismatics, that we learn to, impre- to pray with intelligence. Amen. Okay, we can't just Hyundai, Hyundai, drive my shun, whatever, hun, until I die, whatever. I don't know what my husband uses that. We can't just pray in tongues and pray every single type of prayer that pops into our, our head. Whoops. And it's like a multiple choice up in heaven for God. And we don't really know what we should be praying when we should be praying for society out there. No, Christians need to be intelligent and understand what the mind of God is concerning something so that we can pray in accordance with his will and with his word for things that happen outside of the four walls of church. Amen. He hasn't called us just to pray for our families and our little circle and and, and our church and that's all. No, he's called us to effect change out there and we need to be able to pray first and foremost before we effect change. We have to know how to pray. So we've been looking at how to pray into the different domains in society and I've looked at how to pray for family, how to pray for um, the church, how to pray for marriages, how to pray for government, how to pray for education looked at a number of different domains and I encourage you to go onto our websites, have a look, catch up because um, yeah, it's important that we have a biblical worldview concerning these domains and today I'm going to be looking at praying with purpose for business, economics and agriculture and also health, science and technology and there's quite a lot as you can imagine that one can cover when you're looking at these particular domains so I'm just touching on it, I'm wetting our appetites and I'm giving us a basic skeleton that we can that can kick us uh, kick us off that can get us started and I'm also going to pray we're going to pray together so that uh, with some prayer points that are going to be on the overhead that are in the notes so that when you go home you can think oh we did that in church I can use it like this so you know exactly how to use the notes that I've prepared for you And the whole premise of this, I'm going to give you a a, a small recap for those who didn't, haven't heard the other messages, that in Genesis, God gave Adam the dominion mandate. He said, you know, um, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and have dominion. That's what God said to Adam. He didn't say be fruitful and fill the earth and have dominion in the church and everything else can just go to hell in a bucket. No, he didn't say that. He said, have dominion, take dominion, rule, subdue the earth. And as Christians, we've been given that domain mandate. So we need Christians in the business sector, in the agriculture sector, in the education sector, in every sphere of society, in the legislature, in government, in all different different spheres who know what a biblical worldview, who know what a biblical approach is to these things, who can pray in accordance with that and also effect change in accordance with that. So today I'm going to start with business, economics, and agriculture. And remember, my husband did a whole sermon when it was very topical on land reform. So I want to encourage you, I'm not going to rehash that. That is on the website. Go and get a have a look at that if you want to pray regarding land reform, because God has an opinion on land reform. There is a right way to do it, and there is a wrong way to do it. And we want to do it the right way in South Africa, and because we've seen what happens when it's done the wrong way in a nation just north of us. Amen. 
Okay, so we want to do it God's way. God's way is always best. So looking at business, economics, and agriculture, let me read that scripture again. Genesis 1, 28, God blessed them and God said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, see, I've given you every herb that yields seed on the face of the earth and every tree whose fruit yields seed to you it shall be for food. So God, when he gave us the earth, he made us stewards over the earth and all that is in it. This means that the earth creation material goods are by nature good. God gave them to us and they're useful. They shouldn't be misused and they shouldn't be destroyed. So we need to be concerned about our environment. We need to be concerned about what we're doing, about pollution and all of these things. It is a concern, should be a concern for us. But um, God wants us to multiply these things that he's given us and and uh, do it as a continuation of creation, good stewardship, and service to fellow men. So that is God's picture. Now, you might say, say, well, why do we need to study in depth um, a biblical view of these things? Well, when we study a biblical view of business, economics, and agriculture, the Bible gives us clear instructions uh, clear instructions which can, which can be applied into government. So all of these domains that we've split up for ease of teaching, they all inter, interlock and interlead and they feed off one another. So if I read in the Ten Commandments, it says, thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not steal. So what do we learn from that about God, about government, about things? It means that private ownership is assumed and protected. Private ownership is assumed and protected. That in itself is very powerful, right? Because as soon as you talk about certain uh, methods of government where there's no private ownership, immediately it tells us that method of government is not a biblical method of government. Amen. Are you following me? So take, for instance, certain types of communism where you don't own anything. That is not a biblical method of government because the Bible says here, thou shalt not steal. So it assumes private ownership is protected. Okay, Luke 6 verse 38, Jesus teaches, give and it will be given you good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. For with the same measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So God desires that we have our own property and finances. It's not God desire, God's desire that we are poor, that we are, he doesn't think that when we are poor, we are holy. No. He desires that we have and that we steward and that we are blessed and we are able to give. That is God's picture of prosperity and, and business and economics. How can we give what we do not own? Again, certain methods of government are not biblical because you cannot be blessed because you cannot give. How can you be generous if you don't own anything? You can't give it, okay? So we need to be able to receive blessings that come with generosity, Okay, Deuteronomy 15 verse 10 says, give generously to the poor and not grudgingly for the Lord your God will bless you in everything you do. So we see that ownership is a biblical principle along with generosity. In Genesis 2 verse 15 we read that the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. Now people, those of you who don't like to work, okay, God gave Adam work before the fall. So, at, so work is actually God's idea. It's not a curse. He gave it to Adam before Adam fell. So work is good. Work is good. So we need to change our mindset around some of these things. 
God desires that we work. God desires that we're diligent. God desires that we are productive. God desires that we make a living and that we're in a position to be generous, that we're blessed to be a blessing. Amen. And what better domain to talk about it than business? God desires that they're God-honoring, biblically literate entrepreneurs in the body of Christ that are blessed to be a blessing that can fund his kingdom. But you know, it has to start with the right mindset and prayers that line up with the right mindset. You know that a lot of warfare is actually in how we think and view the world. And we taught that in the New Testament, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself up against the knowledge of God. So take, for example, this whole thing that's happening, yes, in Europe, but also in America about abortion and all these laws that some of the states are trying to pass where babies can be aborted up to full term. And then you have some states coming along and say, some people standing up and saying, no, you, you can't do that. What, where does all of that stem from? That is warfare, yes, but it stems from worldviews and mindsets. Because if people had a mindset of life begins at conception, then that abortion at full term, it, it wouldn't even be a question. But it's a question and it's a, and it's a battle. Why? Because people have the wrong mindset. So the whole, the whole thing of mindsets and biblical worldviews and praying in, in line with that is so, so important. Are you with me? Okay, so in, in a, a biblical economics, in business and entrepreneurship, work is good. It's God's idea. It's not from the enemy. God desires that as Christians, we are diligent, we shine, we stand out, we're excellent in what we do, and we are blessed, and we are generous, um, and we're a blessing. Okay, Proverbs 10 verse 4 says, He who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Ephesians 4.28, let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have, may have something to give him who has need. Okay, so what I'm doing now is I'm just giving you a biblical, kind of fleshing out biblical ideas uh, of work, of, uh, of business, of economics, so that when I carry on, we've got that at the back of our mind in terms of helping us to pray in accordance with this. Okay. Um, Okay, in Matthew 20, verse 15, if you go and read Matthew 20, if you go and read that parable, Jesus is talking about the master of a vineyard, and he goes to the marketplace and he hires some workers at the beginning of a day, and he agrees on a set wage for them. Then he goes back uh, at the third hour, sixth hour, ninth hour, and eleventh hour, and he gets more workers. And at the end of the day, he pays all of them the same amount. And the workers who he hired early on in the morning were very angry, saying, but that is unfair because you're paying us the same amount as you paid those who just worked for an hour. And this was the master's response. And the master, by the way, in this parable represents God. And he says, don't I have the right to do what I want with what is mine? Don't I have the right to do what I want with what is mine? Okay, in Acts 5 verse 4, when Peter is commenting on the case of Ananias, Ananias and Sapphira sold some land and brought proceeds to give to the Lord. And they lied about the proceeds. And Peter said, before you sold it, wasn't it yours to sell or to keep? It was your choice. It was yours. And after you sold it, wasn't the money entirely at your disposal? But you lied. What is, why am I telling you all of this? I'm telling you this because we can see that the Bible accepts the notion.
notion, classical notion of property, which presupposes making a free use of owned things freely. Okay, And if we take into account this biblical approval of human freedom, it allows seeing free market economy as morally better. So when we're thinking of economics, when we're thinking of uh, methods of government, say, when we're thinking of praying into all of this, we have to have that mindset of free market economy is best according to the Bible. Amen. Are you all with me? I'm touching on things just to whet appetites, okay? So, some people might say, well, what about collective property? What about, because we see that in the Bible. Yes, we see it twice that I'm aware of in the Bible. In the Old Testament, the temple belongings are mentioned. In the New Testament in Acts, there's a collectivist experiment undertaken by the Jerusalem community. And only there, people. We don't see it elsewhere. And in both cases, the religious motivations underpinned it. It's not... It's not a biblical um, sort of pattern that we must follow. Okay, in both cases, religious motivations stood behind the solutions, not economic or social ones. And the Jerusalem community was similar to a convent. Okay, it was intended to be spiritually fruitful, not productive. God desires us to be productive. He desires us to be faithful stewards and to produce and to be blessed to be a blessing. Okay. And just a couple of other points concerning uh, when we're thinking about this, when we're praying into this. State property, okay, known in the form of royal property, maybe in the Old Testament, according to Deuteronomy 17, 17, should be limited. Okay, it should be limited. High taxes are severely criticized. We see that in 1 Samuel 8 and Proverbs 29. Although Jesus endorsed the principle of paying taxes, he said, render to Caesar what is Caesar's and to the Lord what is the Lord's. Amen. So you must bear all of these in mind because as I come to pray, I need to make sure that I'm actually in submission to God's word in my life. I can't come and start to pray and do warfare over SARS and other financial institutions in this country in the name of Jesus, uh, trying to use my authority in Christ. Meanwhile, in my own life, I'm not submitted to the word of God because I don't pay my tax. Amen. Okay, the Bible says submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. So we need to be aware of all of these things. Okay. Now, one more um, parable that I'm just wanting to touch on before I go on to the attributes of God that are reflected in this particular domain. Um, when Jesus spoke about entrepreneurship, okay, I'm going to use the parable of the talents. And if you go and have a look at this, it's very interesting that Jesus did not consider um, ta a talent was a form of money. It was kilograms of silver. It was equivalent to millions of US dollars today. Okay. So as you know, in the parable of the talents, one servant got 10, one servant got five, one servant got one talent. And the master went off and came back over a long time. And the servant who had 10 talents had doubled it. The servant who had five talents had doubled it. And the servant who had one talent had buried it to keep it safe. And so Jesus basically said to the servant who hid his talent, you wicked and lazy servant, give it to the others, the one who had 10. And this is a, yes, we, we like to use it in the form of to talk about our talents and our gifts. But in actual fact, when Jesus was using this parable, he was talking about money. So he was talking about entrepreneurship. 
So an interesting thing to note, note is that he used, talks about this parable and it's not dirty. You know, some people talk about business and making money as dirty, as not good, as not holy. No, Jesus spoke about it plainly and he applauded the guys who doubled the, the, the money that he'd given them. So faithfulness and multiplication of what God has given us is good. Okay, making money is good. The love of money is not good, but making money is good. And we need to trust God for, um, for words of wisdom and words of knowledge, for creative business ideas that, and creative solutions that we can make money. Amen. As Christians, we know the God of creation. We should be coming up with the most witty solutions and ideas and making the most cash. But sadly, when I look out there, I don't always see that. We need to pray. And we need to see this happen, okay? So, uh, yeah. The gifts of God, material or spiritual, should be faithfully stewarded and multiplied according to the steward's capabilities. A failure to multiply what God has put in our hand is condemnable and can result in their loss. So making money is good. God wants us to multiply what he's put in our hand. So, to conclude this little introduction on um, on uh, business and economics. The Bible condemns theft, greed, egoism, okay, but does not, ne- does not negate the value of material good. goods. Multiplying them by the means of property, work, and business has a good aim and is good. A person who works and honestly increases his or her wealth can be praised. Okay, so it's a good thing. Now, in each of these domains that I've looked at, I've said that kind of done an introduction. This is what it's about. This is kind of like a, a sketch of a biblical view of it. And in each of these domains, this is the nature of God that he wants to display through this domain. So through the domain of business and economics, the, the name and the nature and the attribute of God that he's wanting to display through this domain is Jehovah Jireh, God, our provider. Okay, so we know in Genesis 22, when uh, this is first mentioned, Abraham, God tells Abraham to sacrifice his son. And Abraham obeys and he goes to sacrifice. And before he actually sacrifices his son, God provides the sacrifice and he calls the name of that place the Lord will provide. Okay, and on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. And in this particular d- domain, God wants to be seen as provider. Okay, and some other attributes of God that can be seen are provision, goodness, faithfulness, generosity. So if you believe you're a businessman and you are called to this domain, these attributes God wants to show to you personally. He wants to reveal himself to you personally as Jehovah Jireh, as one who is good, as one who is faithful, as one who is generous. And when God reveals himself to us in that manner, a specific uh, part of his person and his nature and his attribute, he wants us to reflect that to people. And so we are blessed to be a blessing. Amen. So when we we come to him and we pray and we're saying, Lord, I want to pray into this, this area of uh, this domain of business. I want to pray concerning my domain. We can stand at that and say, Lord, would you reveal yourself to me as Jehovah Jireh? Would you reveal yourself to me as the faithful one, as the generous one? And Lord, would you use me to reveal you to others as a generous one, as one who blesses? Amen. We can't want to be used by God in this particular domain, but we've got a tight fist and we're stingy. Amen. Because God won't trust us with his stuff. 
Okay, so what is the purpose of this domain? The purpose of this domain, business and economics, and, and agriculture to some degree, is to provide for needed goods and services, as well as to provide for gainful employment and opportunities for the community at a fair market value. And in this particular domain, the laws of sowing and reaping and supply and demand govern it. Okay, so that gives you a kind of general overview and a background that when we come and we stand to pray, whether we're praying for businesses in Centurion, whether we're praying for businesses in South Africa, whether we're praying for our businesses that are currently there or businesses to come, we can stand on this and we can say, Lord, you know, you desire this. This is your picture of prosperity. This is why you want to prosper me. Of course you want to prosper me, Lord. And we can begin to pray with authority and confidence because we understand God's heart and his mind concerning business. Amen. Okay, so if you go onto the website and you download these notes, which I strongly encourage you to do, at the end of each section, I've put bullet points of prayer points that you can use. And next to most of them, I've actually got, um, can you pop them up on the screen, Sipo? Do you have them? Next to, yeah, there we go. I've got lots of bullet points like that. And next to them, I've got scriptures. So you can go and check out those scriptures and be like the Bereans who search out matters for themselves. When you check out those scriptures, you may just, God may give you more prayer points as you pray, however you, whoever and however you're wanting to pray for this particular domain. So, for example, um, let me say that I'm now wanting to pray regarding businesses in this church, okay? You're going to pray with me, right? This is a practice session. This is an activation session. You can't just sit in your seats and watch me pray. You're going to be praying with me, okay? (laughs) So we're now praying for for businesses, and I'm going to pray according to the prayer points that are in your notes on the website, which you are going to download, I'm sure, after the service or tonight. So Lord, we pray concerning every business in Go Christian Church. And every businessman and businesswoman, we pray today, Lord God, that you would meet every need according to your riches. We pray, Lord God, that as these entrepreneurs govern their businesses, that they would do it according to biblical economics and according to honest money, Lord God, that they would be integrity, integrous, Lord God. They would pay their workers on time. They would be honest with their taxes. Father, that there would be um, truth in the innermost being of every single business venture. Father, we pray that you would give these entrepreneurs and businesswomen wisdom to know who to partner with and when. Lord God, we ask that you would give them discernment that they would be able to see beneath the smiles, know what business deals to go into and know what business deals they shouldn't go into. Lord, we pray that these business people would be diligent They would be diligent, Lord God, in their hearts. They would be free to share and give and bless others. And so be a blessing even as you've blessed them, Father. We pray. Okay, that's those are those prayer points. And going on, I've got a list of prayer points from Proverbs 31 taken from my husband's book. So I encourage you to get my husband's book. from the resource center, uh, Business God's Way. So, so these are some prayer points from there. Father, we pray for businessmen and women in this church that they would be of noble character, that they would fear the Lord, that they would maintain focus on their family, that they would be, take calculated risks according to faith, according to how you're leading them. We pray that you, you their ears would hear a voice behind them saying, this is the way, walk in it. We pray that they would be generous to their workers, that their businesses would be profitable, that they would not be clock watchers, 
righteous, but would be results-oriented. They would be those who give to the poor, who have a vision for the poor. They would be those who see ahead and plan. Lord God, they would be those who have a positive impact on their spouse and children. They would be those who keep a guard over their mouths by their choice of words. They maintain good customer service. They have a good reputation. Can you see how it's powerful just working your way through each of those bullet points? And all of them are there and they've got scriptures attached to them. Amen. Are you with me? Okay. Now going on and talking about land, it's important that we also pray for the land reform and agriculture in this nation. And I've slipped it into this domain. Please go and have a look at my husband's message on land reform. But I've got prayer points here regarding land reform and I'm going to pray my way through them before I move on to the next domain this morning. Um, You can get them on the website. They're also in these notes. Okay, so let's pray. Father, we thank you for our beautiful nation, South Africa. We thank you for the land in this nation. We thank you for the natural resources in it. We thank you for the people of this nation and your redemptive purpose for South Africa. Lord, we pray that we would be a generation of believers that execute your plan for our nation and for our region. We pray that you would give to us and you would give to leaders and those in authority and those who counsel those in authority, you would give a blueprint for restoration for South Africa, Lord, in accordance with your word and your will and your way. Lord, we pray that we may be a people aligned to your purpose and we pray that you would heal our land, Lord God. Father, we pray that as a church we would be prepared to do identificational repentance as the Holy Spirit leads. We pray that we would carry the right attitude, heart, and mind of God as as the nation addresses the land issue in this season. We pray that as a church we may speak out with one heart, one mind, and one voice according to your heart, according to your mind concerning the situation in, in the nation regarding land. We pray that the church would be bold enough to mold the culture we want to see in our nation and communities. May we be faithful stewards, Lord, of what you've given us to. May we pray that we would be a nation that respects the right to own land with title, Lord God. We pray against the spirit of greed and covetousness in our nation. Lord, we pray and uproot every desire and plan to acquire land fraudulently in our nation. Lord, we pray that wickedness would be exposed in high places. We pray for believers to have wisdom to know who they should part from in order to experience kingdom uh, increase. We pray, Lord God, that this nation would not be one that is attached to possessions and lands, but is willing to let go and recognize God as provider. May there be restitution practiced, Lord, where it needs to be practiced. And on and on and on. Amen. You can go and carry on and read and pray the rest of those those prayer points. They're very powerful prayer points. And you know, I just want to say that crafted prayers are powerful. At the moment, I'm standing in agreement today with a dear friend of mine who's trusting God for something very special. And I've crafted a prayer for us and we are praying the same prayer. You know, sometimes as Christians, we think as as um, uh, charismatic Christians, we think that the prayers that are powerful are the spontaneous ones that just come on the spot. But if I go and I read in the Bible, so many prayers were crafted and written down. So many apostolic prayers in the New Testament, so many prayers were written down in the Old Testament. It's powerful to to write down our prayers, to craft them, to write down these bullet points, to craft them. And then we pray in agreement, very powerful. So let's go ahead and use these points and pray. It doesn't have to be spontaneous. Okay. 
So please, will you guys go and pray through those points? Will you? Five yeses. Okay, that's good enough. That's good enough. Okay, so that uh, gives you an overview, a very brief overview of business and economics. And we touched on some agriculture points there somewhere. Um, but I encourage you to get my husband's book. It goes into a lot more detail. I don't have time to go into all of that detail. But I've given you enough to understand God's heart and God's mind. Business is good. It's God's idea. He wants us to be diligent. He wants us to work. We can pray in accordance with this. We can pray that God gives us good business ideas, that we are wealthy, that we're wealthy with a purpose. We're not wealthy because we're eating everything and spending it all upon ourselves. We're wealthy and prosperous with a purpose for the kingdom of God. We're blessed to be a blessing. It is good. And we can pray in accordance with that. Amen. Okay, so the next domain that I'm wanting to touch on today is the health, science, and technology domain. Health, science, and technology. And uh, this one is obviously close to my heart. Um, I trained as a pharmacist, so um, I'm passionate about health. And how many of you here are into the health domain? Can I just see? Can you raise your hands? You're into your doctor, pharmacist, nurse, so any form you, you, you believe. Just one. Oh, two. There we go. Yes, three. Okay. Even if you have a heart to see people healed, come on, raise your hand. <laughs> All of you raise your hands. <laughs> okay. Okay. So God's heart, God is into this. I mean, he is the greatest scientist of all. He created everything. Okay. Um, very exciting. God has all the answers. And, and you know what? As Christians, we need to come up with the solutions, the, the cures for HIV, the cures for cancer, because we have the creator of everything and he knows. Amen. And we can pray regarding that. Um, in your notes, I've put an interesting article at the end on um, just someone who's written a whole blurb on uh, God and the, the Old Testament and sanitation and healthy eating and guidelines that God actually put in the Old Testament way back in the Pentateuch. That's Moses' time and before. Before they even understood about germs, before they even understood most of why God was giving them these stipulations. But he did because he knew what was good for them. And now many, many, many years later, we're beginning to understand why God gave them those stipulations uh, so many, uh, so many, so long ago, basically. So have a look at that. It's fascinating. So the Pentateuch contains numerous regulations from God for his people on sanitation, healthy eating, guidelines around meat consumption, guidelines around quarantine, around medical procedures that was to govern the daily lives of the Israelite nation. I mean, God is a genius. And if you go and you have a look at, through all of those, Moses was the one who wrote um, the Pentateuch, okay? He was the one who penned it. He'd been schooled in Egypt. So he would have been schooled in the Egyptian medical practices of the day. And some of them were quite life-threatening, by the way. They weren't very... Uh, uh, good as we look back on them. But it's interesting to note that those Egyptian medical practices didn't make their way into his writings for the Israelites. So Moses really heard from God and took what God gave him even when he didn't understand it. Um, and I want to give you an example of this. Uh, in 1847, there was an obstetrician named Dr. Semmelweis, and he was the director of a hospital ward in Vienna. And many pregnant women would check into his ward, but 18% of them never checked out. They died. So out of every six that received treatment in his labor ward, one would die. That's, that's, that's not very good odds, okay? 
So Semmelweis was particularly distraught over the mortality rates in his wards. And literally, if a woman went to a midwife, the death rate fell to 3%. But if she chose to use the most advanced medical knowledge and facilities of the day, her chance of dying skyrocketed. So there was something that they weren't doing in these advanced hospitals of the day. That's in the 1800s, okay? And eventually... Um, when Semmelweis was watching the medical people doing the procedures, he found that they would be doing, performing autopsies on dead women. Then without washing their hands, they would go and examine the women who were pregnant. So their hands were dirty, but they didn't understand about germs, okay? So he came up with the idea that a doctor should wash his hands in chlorinated water after performing an autopsy before he examined a live woman. And he found that when he did that, the death rate in his hospital plummeted and he wasn't having such major issues with this. Now, if we look back in the Pentateuch, 3,300 years before Semmelweis lived, this is what Moses wrote, he who touches the dead body of anyone shall be unclean seven days. He shall purify himself with water on the third day and the seventh day, and he will be clean. But if he does not purify himself, he will not be clean. So germs might have been new to Semmelweis in 1847, but God already knew about it 3,300 years before. And there's so many brilliant things that God instituted for the Israelites like that. Um, that you can see God was brilliant. God is all about um, improving standards of living. He's all about us being healthy. He's all about these things. So we can tap into his knowledge. Um, some other things that God gave to, the, to his people. Leviticus 11 verse 1 to 3. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and said, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, These are the animals which you may eat among all the animals that are on earth. So what was God doing? He's saying, you know what? These types of animals are unclean. You can get sick if you eat them. Don't eat them. Okay? These types of animals are clean. Eat these animals. You'll be healthy. And today we find out that a lot of those animals that God declared unclean often carry a lot of parasites and things that are not actually good for us to eat. So God came along and he just said, you know what? He didn't tell them the details of why. We found out why now. But that's brilliant. Don't you think that's just awesome? God is concerned about disease, preventing disease. He's concerned about cleanliness and sanitation and standards of living. Even with their camp in Deuteronomy 23, we see he says to his people, you have a place outside the camp where you may go out and have an implement among your equipment. And when you sit down outside, you shall dig and turn and cover your refuse. So what is he saying? When you need to go and go to the bathroom, go and do it outside the camp. Okay, don't do it in the camp. You're going to contaminate the camp. Do it outside and cover it. Okay, so he was giving them specific things regarding standards of living, okay, brilliant. There are many other medical and health practices prescri prescribed by God for his people in the Pentateuch. That's the first five books of the Bible, which the Israelites would not have understood at the time, but which God was stipulating because he wanted his people healthy. So God is all about these things. And we need, as Christians, we need to be able to pray for his wisdom in our current situation that we can get witty ideas and inventions to up the standard of living in some of these places that we see. Come on, we're the Christians who come up with ideas in terms of sorting out these squatter camps. You know, sorting out. We're, we're the Christians who come up, who come up with ideas, the power, solutions to the power crisis we have. We have God, who is our creative God, we should be able to do this. Amen. Okay. 
So the name, nature, and attributes of God that should be manifest in this domain, which informs how we pray, okay, is creator and it's healer, okay. Isaiah 40 verse 28 says, Have you not known, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary, his understanding is unsearchable. Exodus 15 verse 26, if you diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians for I am the Lord your healer. So God is healer. God is healer. Turn to your neighbor and say God is healer. God wants you healed. God wants everybody healed. Okay, I want to show you something that might blow some religious people's minds. In Matthew 8, verse 16 to 17, when evening came, they brought to Jesus many who were de demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. Does it say he healed some who were sick because the others he wanted to teach a good lesson? Does it say that? But that's what we believe. Have you heard some Christians, they actually believe that? No, you know, it's good that I'm sick because God is teaching me stuff. Yeah, well, God is teaching you stuff, but I can bang my head against a wall and learn that it's not a good idea to bang my head against a wall. Or I can just learn that it's not good to bang my head against a wall without doing it. Okay, we don't have to be sick for God to teach us lessons. Yes, he's gracious and he'll teach us lessons. But I read in the word that Jesus healed everybody who was sick, who came to him was sick. So it's his heart to heal everybody. And if the healing, if they don't get healed, it's not because of God. It's be because that's what it says in his word. His word is perfect. It's because of us. It's because there's something we're not doing right. If we pray for a line of people and, and only five people get healed out of 20, am I going to stop praying for people to get healed? No. For five people, it changed their world. It changed their lives. Yes, there were 15 where it didn't work. But you know what? I need to become better skilled at operating in the healing gift so that everybody can get healed whom I pray for. Because pray for. when Jesus prayed, everybody got healed. It's God's heart that we walk in divine health. You know, another thing that some Christians say, they say, no, well, God performs spiritual healing. It's spiritual healing. That's what the word is talking about. It's not physical healing. Or God performs emotional healing, not, not physical healing, you see. No, that's not true. When I look at Isaiah 53, it, said he, it says he was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. That healing is all types of healing. Healing is in, my, in, in salvation, there's healing there. Indeed, Jesus' death and resurrection, there's healing there. And we need to have this mindset when we're praying regarding healing. Amen. If I have a mindset of, you know what, I'm going to pray for you for healing, but, but maybe it's God's will that you learn something, so maybe he won't heal you. Or uh, I'm going to pray for healing, but I don't really know if it's God's will to heal you. Maybe he just heals us spiritually. Then I'm not going to pray with faith, am I? If I know like I know that in Jesus' death and resurrection, he bought my salvation and he bought my healing, that when people came to Jesus, he wanted them all healed, I can pray with confidence regarding health and healing. Amen. Okay. So what happened to our sickness and infirmity in Matthew 8 verse 16? It says, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. He bore it. He already bore it. 
I'm not going to bear it because he bore it. I'm not going to stand for it for a week, two weeks, a month, six months because he already bore it. Okay, and we need to have that intolerance for sickness in our families and in our church. Amen. Amen. Okay, Jesus bore them for us. Okay, healing is included in salvation. Is it Jesus, God's nature to heal? Yes, absolutely it is. So what is the purpose of this particular domain? Health, science, technology. Well, it's to discover and use God's laws for the blessing of all people, pursuing a higher standard of living, health, and better stewardship of the resources of his creation. It leads us to a greater revelation of God in life, nature, technology, and creation. I'm going to read that again. What is the purpose of this particular domain? It's to discover and use God's laws for the blessing of all people, pursuing a higher standard of living everywhere, health, and better stewardship of the resources of his creation. It leads us to a greater revelation of God in life, nature, technology, and all creation. So how many of you are involved in technology? Okay, the guys at the back. Okay, we can be trusting God for brainy new ideas and technology. Why not? Why not? Why can't Christians be the innovators? Christians be the trendsetters? Okay. Yeah, one person says, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, you can have a look in my notes. I have more around this. Okay. God desires that we use science and technology to be better stewards of this world and creation. Come on, I think a Christian needs to come up with a creative idea on how to recycle plastic. Sometimes I see images of plastic in our seas and it horrifies me. It's disgusting. It's awful. We need to come up with creative solutions. Come on, scientists, chemists, why not? God is our creator. He can give us creative ideas. We need to, to come up with creative, uh, uh, witty inventions to elevate people's standard of living. Cheap ways to make sure people get nutrition who don't have much. Okay? Why not? God is our God. We can do it. Okay? We need to be able to come up with solutions to help make lives more efficient, effective, and productive. Okay? We need wise master builders and technology coming up with creative ideas that bring much kingdom into the kingdom of God, much blessing to many people. God has a solution to the energy crisis. God has a solution to the um, shanty towns, the, the crisis. God has a solution for the, the housing crisis that we see around us. God has solutions. We need to go and ask him for them. We need to pray in accordance with this, remembering that he is creator. That he is ultimate scientist. He is ultimate in terms of wisdom. We can get it from him. Come on, scientists. Okay. God has cures for diseases. Yes, we can heal people, but he also has cures. Okay. So, some prayer points. Let's pray for those involved in this domain. Can we pray? Father, we pray for those who are called to and working in this domain of health, 
of science and of technology. We pray, Lord God, for wisdom and understanding in their domain. We pray that a spirit of wisdom and understanding, a spirit of counsel and of might would rest upon them. Father, we pray that you would grant them witty ideas, brilliant ideas, brilliant inventions that will be solutions to current crises that we face. Lord, this pollution crisis, we pray that you would give uh, uh, biblically literate Christians who are chemists, who are scientists, you would give them ideas, you would show them the solution. Father, we pray for witty ideas and inventions concerning nutrition, concerning housing, concerning the energy crisis that we see around us. We ask that you would give us solutions, Lord God, that you would make us to be an answer for the people around us. We pray for those in this domain, for you to be supreme in their lives. We pray for guidance and wisdom in order to find more and better ways to use technology. We pray for guidance and wisdom in multiple discoveries that bring healing and help to mankind. We pray for advances in this domain that contribute to the betterment of mankind, Lord. We pray for their work to serve others and bring life and restoration in accordance with your principles, as opposed to bringing destruction that sometimes comes with so-called advances in science, Lord. We pray for sharp consciences, for biblical ethics, Lord God, around some of these areas of research where things are really touch and go in terms of what is okay and what is not okay. We pray for wisdom to find solutions for problems for which we still have no answers. We pray for encouragement and tenacity when their work becomes tedious or attempted solutions don't work. We pray for divine inspiration, strong ethical codes. Lord, we pray for expertise and equipping and strategic placement of healthcare providers and communities. We pray for wisdom and anointing to bring healing to those around them. We pray for commitment to you that they would obey your, your principles and they would fear you. We also pray for people involved in this particular domain that they would have a revelation of you as creator and a revelation of you as healer, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I want to encourage you to go and have a look at all of those points and to make a commitment to say, you know what, once a week I'm going to pray for this domain, or I'm going to pray for the domains once a week or twice a week, but actually make a commitment in your heart. Because one, I can pray for this, maybe there are two of us or three of us, but if more people prayed, even if you just use these points, so powerful, so powerful. One can put a thousand to flight, two can send the legions fleeing. We need to be praying into all these various domains in society. And next week, I'm going to be touching on media and communication and arts, entertainment and sports, giving us a biblical view, overview of those and God's nature that he wants revealed in those to help us to better pray for those domains. So please come next week. That'll be the completion of this series. But for now, I just, if you want if you can bow your heads, I'm just, I'm just wanting to invite the Holy Spirit to just come and touch hearts. And I want to pray. I want to pray for you if you're involved in these particular domains. Can I just see by show of hands those who are involved in technology with every head bowed, every eye closed? Can you just raise your hand so I can see again? Technology, okay? Those who are involved in science, even in research. Can you keep your hands raised? Lift up your hands, okay? And those who are involved in health and bringing healing. 
Okay, so I'm gonna, we're going to pray for these people. So let's pray. Not all of you have raised your hands, but there are a number that have raised hands, and we're going to pray for them. Father, we pray for those who've raised their hands. Lord God, we pray for a renewed sense of, of purpose where you've placed them. Father, we ask that you would give them focus in this season, that you would give each one of them an understanding of why they are where they are. We pray, Lord God, for these, that you would network them with the right people in the right places. You would network them with influencers who can influence, Lord God. We pray that you would make them wise mouthpieces to those who are in authority. May you fill their hearts, minds, and mouth with your counsel, Father. We pray for a right positioning for the future, that you would springboard them into the future to make an impact for your kingdom where they find themselves. We ask for increased influence, Lord, and we pray for them for a boldness, for a boldness, Lord God, I, I just speak an unblocking of their ears today, that they would hear from you, Father. They would hear when to pray for healing. They would hear uh, just witty inventions, ideas, fresh creativity, Lord God, new things to spring forth. We pray this over them. We pray, Lord God, that you would help them and give them wisdom, even as they pray for themselves and for their domain. And Father, we lift up your church in this nation and we really ask this morning that you would cause us to be a church that prays with intelligence, that you would cause us to be a church that is concerned for the things that are happening around us, that you would cause us to be a church that carries your heart for the nation and for the nations, that you would cause us to be a church that is biblically literate and grounded in your word. You would cause us to be a church who speaks out with one voice and with one heart and with one mind. Lord, that we would be a church who prays in one accord. Father, we wouldn't be confused May you do a new thing in our midst. And Lord, we cry out for your church where there's a prayerlessness, where there's a passivity in prayer. Come on, let's pray for his church concerning prayer. Lord, we ask that you would birth a new movement of prayer warriors in your church in this nation, that your people would arise with a boldness and a faith and a tenacity and, and, a, and a not letting go, Lord, a persistence, that they would push through and pray. Father, we ask that you would break our heart with the things that break your heart in this nation and the nations of the earth, would you, would you raise up a praying people who will pray into the status quo, Lord God, who will make an impact, who will make a difference in this generation and the generations to come. Father, we cry out that you would have mercy on us for our prayerlessness, for where we haven't, be, our hearts haven't been broken when we see things that are wicked around us. Lord God, help us. Help us give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Raise us up, Lord God. We pray that you would pour out a spirit of grace and supplication upon your church, Lord. Make us a wise, warring people, Father. Worshipping warriors who carry your presence wherever you've placed us. Whatever domain, whatever workplace, wherever we find ourselves, Lord. May we be a praying people that effects change with our prayers. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. Thank you for every life. Thank you for your work in our lives that you teach us how to pray. May you lead us deeper in you this week, Lord. May you give each one of us a strategy 
to implement, to take our prayer life to its next level. Help us, Lord. We need your help. We can't do this on our own. We need you, Holy Spirit. And I pray for each person this morning represented here for a blessing upon each one, for your refreshing, for your renewal, for your strengthening in our inner man. Help us to hear your voice, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen and amen.